I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom, son of light, not of darkness. Bionic. Ah, that's sort of a intriguing kind of middle name this week. Mm-hmm. Brother Tom, what what led you to pick that one this week? Uh, doing some research into New Testament allusions to um, divinity, uh, and especially its governing body. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, illusions in the New Testament from the Old Testament and intertestamental period. Okay. For all our new listeners, don't don't let that knock you over um, till you get a good sample of us. And for all of our regular guests, welcome to the Future Quake Show this week. It is so great to be with all our Futurian friends and back for another week in uh, days and times of great turmoil in the news. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back to talk about some of that today. I know I've got some intriguing stories. Uh, I'm sure I've got you a do bunch too. of weird ones, one or two. And uh, we can jump right in then. i got a few little quick announcements I'm afraid right. to forget. If announcements, I don't announcements. He's got some announcements. Do we have to pay you like ASCAP royalty for that? No, man, that's a freebie. Okay. I didn't know if you yeah, cool. copyrighted it. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Brother Paul out there, one of our Futurians who made a donation um, this week to Future Quake. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And ho- hopefully our donation button's working back again. PayPal's leaving us alone. And also I want to thank Brother Samuel, another Futurian, who bought one of our book sets. Yeah, man. With uh, Lies the Government Told You by uh, Judge Andrew DiPolitano and um, uh, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars by mm-hmm. Andrew Hoffman. There's just a few of those left. There's only a handful left. Those are two books. If you have somebody, a loved one, that does not understand why you think the way we do here on Future Quake, those two books, one from from Andrew Napolitano, somebody who they will know and trust, and also uh, Andrew Hoffman with a message that includes Jesus and uh, the whole biblical worldview into the mix, mm-hmm. you will be able to get them to understand what you're talking about. So just a few left. I highly recommend that. Uh, mm-hmm. We also have two other books uh, that I've contributed to uh, and some other people who have been Futurians on our show. Mm-hmm. One is called How to Overcome the Most Frightening Issues You Will Face This Century. And the other one is uh, Panamonium's Engine about transhumanism and Bible prophecy and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're both, the book set and those two books are available at the front of futurequake.com. And so just look on the left-hand side. And uh, get those books if you'd like to, and it helps our ministry and our expenses. Uh, mm-hmm. While we're on the topic, while you're looking on the front of futurequake.com, I have another assignment for our Futurians. Um, uh, when you're done on the right side, go over, excuse me, yeah, to the left. I said this exact opposite. Uh. The books are available on the left side of the website, which is two column front page, futurequake.com. Look on the left side for those books. Uh, most of them are near the top. When you look on the right side, go to the bottom of the page on the right, and what I've done is cobble together some artwork for uh, some sort of commemorative Future Quake t-shirts and poster that we're thinking about making. Uh, for all of our Futurians, we've been on the air for seven years, and uh, this is something people have been asking for forever and just been too busy to do it, so finally got something together. Um, but what I need you to do, the, explana- the um, instructions are on the website at futurequake.com. But I want you to look. We have two candidate shirts, uh, one that has a, 
like a front of a small future quake emblem, like it goes on the chest, and then a big different future quake emblem designed by one of our Cheerios that goes on the back. And the second shirt has um, one of the murals off of the future mobile mm-hmm. that actually has you and me, Tom, uh, battling the forces that we dealt with, deal with, the principalities and powers, mm-hmm. on the front of it. And uh, the verse, verses from Revelation 18, 3 and 23 about us uh, battling the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth mm-hmm. who uh, conspire to deceive the nations. And uh, that's on the back. And then we also have a poster listed uh, that has both murals from the Future Quake Future Mobile on it. And um, what I want you to do is to go there, decide if you want either or both of the shirts, let us know how many you'd want, the sizes, whether you'd want to have a T-shirt, a say a golf shirt, polo shirt, or a uh, a sweatshirt, and what would be the highest price you would pay. Uh, so we know a reality check on what we can get them for, and also for the posters as well, too. Mm-hmm. And just email those to drfuture at futurequake.com. That's drfuture at futurequake.com. Um, let us know, and what I'll do is I'll put together a tally, a little spreadsheet, and figure out uh, which alternatives make most economic sense and that we can justify, and we'll get them, get them made. But I need, need you to do that quickly. And also the last request I have is if any of you all know a good place to get T-shirts and or posters printed economically, a place you've had good experience with or come across that can do it cheaply, that increases our odds of being able to justify this because we don't have the money to make a whole lot of these things that will just sit there unused. And that's why we need to get a good tally of at least you don't have to commit, but at least say you expect to get something like this if it's produced. So we know how many to get and uh, be close on that. So that's enough of that. But I thought a lot of you all would be happy that we finally got that done and been asked for them forever. And uh, do you have any announcements of what's been happening with you this week? Um, let's see. I'm, I'm either I've either really hit some really interesting biblical research or I've become a complete heretic. Might have to do more both. Yeah, it could be both. Yeah, um, that's going good. Uh, my hip feels a lot better from last Praise week. Praise the Lord. That's really thank you for cheerings. Yeah, for all your prayers. Thank you for uh, prayer. Yeah. When did it start feeling better? Uh, the next morning, actually. So there's really okay. correlation there between you praying and good. the Futurians praying. Good. Um, so that I'm actually going to get uh, what they call Rolfed. Where oh, by the way, before you get off your hip, I remember Sister Marcy emailed and said. Biblically, that had something to do with being double-minded, having hip pain. Sweet. So I think what she was saying is don't be double-minded. So hopefully that will help. Well, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so rolfing. Yeah, so they uh, what they do is the idea is, you know, when you go to a chiropractor, they adjust your bones, your skeletal structure to be sort of more in alignment, mm-hmm. if, as it were. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, is, you know, what covers your skeletal structure, you know, ligaments and muscle, yeah, right. right? And so if those things are, have, those things have decided to go in a position, you know, have developed a memory, so they're out of yeah. it. Yeah, he just pulls it all back. Uh, but what the Rolfer does is he stretches you and... Um, like what they did in the Inquisition, that kind of thing? Uh, not far from Okay, that, but they can charge more for this. Yeah, okay. yeah, this thing. So I'm going to go get that done, and it's... Um, uh, everybody I've talked to who's done it, yeah. uh, it takes a couple of sessions to make make a you know make a difference. But they said yeah. it's like night and day once it D- all. Sort does of it hurt out. while you're having it now? Uh, it, it it's incredibly painful actually. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, it's it's some some people say it's it's really pretty painful. Well, when will you have your first one done? Uh, tomorrow night at about 10 p.m. Okay. Well, I will say a prayer for you now. Please for that. do. Uh, now, why does stretching it automatically make it get back in line? Uh, well, from what I've what I've read and understand, uh, and indeed indeed experienced, you know, I've had some problems with my shoulder from playing music. Yeah. Um, what happens a lot of time is when a muscle gets injured, like if you know. Mm-hmm. Like you fell or, yeah. you know, got in a boxing match or, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, did a bunch of combat karate or, right. you know, all of those yeah, things. Yeah, I know. I know what yeah. that's like. Yeah. All of those things that I've yeah. done, you know. Right. And um, uh, what happens is, is your body tends to absorb uh, that sort of impact and, and the muscles that are affected, mm-hmm. you know, they tend to contract. Mm. And they 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 just want to stay contracted. They just mm. after about being sort of contracted yeah. and like healing for two weeks, they're like, hmm, I like, like it here. We we like it here, man. We're gonna yeah. stay. Yeah. And if you get big muscle groups like that, pretty soon your whole body starts looking yeah. wacky. So, but stretching it, it actually will stay stretched after you. Uh huh. Yeah, your body uh-huh. remembers, and it's like, oh, whoa. Um. Well, okay. I guess we could be here too. Okay. All right. All right. I've actually had a similar thing done on my back. Uh, I pulled a muscle really, really bad at yeah. a music festival one time, and a friend of mine, um, he was a really good, it's far out, man, he was a really good uh, chiropractor and a massage therapist, both. Yeah. And uh, he had actually went to Indonesia and learned this technique that's essentially like that, except what he does is he takes his thumb and jabs it. Uh, you know, he's, he can, like, feel yeah. the, the tenseness and, like, takes his thumb and, like, jabs it into the muscle. Like, as hard as he can. And, uh, you know, the muscle, you know, the muscles pull, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it pulls like that, and you jab your finger into it, and pretty soon it just wants to stretch out. So hmm. um, he worked on me for like an hour and a half, and it was like, hmm. like what are you, poking me with hat pins back there, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I went to bed really, really sore, and the next day I woke up feeling like a million dollars. Amazing. Yeah. I have a problem right now with my neck, just my left side of my neck, uh-huh. and I've been thinking it's been sinus headaches for a long time, but it's like I can't turn my head as far one way, mm-hmm. and it's just I move my head a little bit on the left side, so mm-hmm. I'm sure probably something like that would work. Yeah, yeah. He that guy was that guy was interesting. I had another friend of mine. You know, we're sound like two old ladies yeah. talking to people well, or watching the senior citizen. Well, nothing. Let me the, tell you about my. Let me tell you about my velour and, pants. And our future quick listeners are going. <sighs> Uh, let me let me just go and pray for you. Okay, okay, please please do. Let me just pray about this so we get on some strangeness here. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, I just pray for Brother Tom. I pray mm-hmm. that uh, you'd help him through the pain of the the treatment, Lord, and that'd be successful. And I pray for all our futurians out there right now who are dealing with pain or some other kind of mm-hmm. medical malady that's bothering them, Lord. I know we, we pray for them before we go on air. We we pray for their needs, but Lord, I just pray that you would help them. With, with physical healing and even mm-hmm. mental healing, Lord, uh, emotional, mental healing uh, and stress, Lord. Help them with their economic problems and other matters and relationships, Lord. So pray for, for Brother Tom in this and for all our listeners as well, too. In Jesus' mm-hmm. name, amen. Amen. All right. Can, can I, before we read our stories, can I give you a real quick trip report? Okay. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, th- yeah. This yeah, will yeah. sound Gosh. old hat to you, so thanks for putting up with that. But our listeners might get a hoot. I went to an anti Sharia law conference uh, here at a main church in AKA Nashville. AKA <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, I told Brother Tom here it was like going to a Nuremberg rally minus the torches. 
Uh, there were about 400 people. Now, this was supposed to be in a hotel in Nashville because Middle Tennessee in this area is ground zero in the battle of the West against Sharia law because of a Islamic center down the road in Murfreesboro and, and other things. And all the, the big top well-funded folks that we've talked about in the past all come here to, to battle it out. Mm-hmm. Well, they had one at a conference, and eventually the hotel people asked them to move. And they claimed it was because... Uh, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood and others were, you know, care were attacking the hotel. Although I read the hotel said it had nothing to do with, with any of them. It was just other people that were afraid about disruptions at the hotel, but um, that were not Muslim that complained to them. But regardless, they ended up uh, and it was volunteered to have in a church, and so it was a church. I guess it was public cornerstone church, mm-hmm. which is sort of famous here in a local community for doing things like having rodeos. Yeah. Inside the sanctuary. Yeah, they had a everybody bring your gun to church day. You're kidding. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> bring your gun to church? Yeah. I'm not shocked, really. I mean, they, uh, they I guess they had, like, on 4th of July, they have the guys rappel down from the ceiling and fatigues and mm-hmm. stuff like that when Oliver North speaks or anything. So it was sort of fitting. Um, but here, here it was. Most of the speakers, not all, but most of them were Christians. Mm-hmm. It looked like the overwhelming audience were Christians. It was an all-day affair. Um, but during that whole incident, it was in the church, never heard really any talk of Jesus, the gospel, the Great Commission, love your neighbor, love your enemy. None of that came up during the entire discussion it's in the all, church. It's all, that's all passe, man. Well, there was a local representative, state representative of a adjacent county here who spoke. And uh, uh, he was very upfront. He said, uh, he says, I don't believe um, we should have any Muslims in the military whatsoever because none of them can be trustworthy. And mm-hmm. you can't trust any of them. And uh, that was similar to what the pastor of the church said, uh, Murray Davis, when he spoke there. He said, he says, people have asked why we've not had a local Muslim leader or representative here to give their sort of view of things. And he says, well, their holy book says that they're supposed to lie to us. So why should we give them a, a forum to lie to us? So Sweet. and then everybody cheered and jumped to their feet and screamed and yelled and, and clapped and support. Yeah. But uh, Well, what else? Well, um, I was a little sad that Pamela Geller canceled out when it went to the church forum. But, you know, her her whole blog, Atlas Shrugged, is tied to her associates, which are blatantly anti-Christian. And basically, they've written that um, America has to choose between Ayn Rand and Jesus Christ. And so I'm not surprised she wasn't there. But, you know, a lot of them you see on Fox News, Brigitte Gabrielle, Frank Gaffney was there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so it was, it, it, was, it was interesting to see this. But, boy, the security was so tight. And they had, like, three levels of security. They had, like, church security they had some other kind of general security, and then they had these guys that looked just like Secret Service, and they all had like the little earpieces in their ears, mm-hmm. and these little gold medallion things they wore, and it looked like it had a lion head and a C, mm-hmm. and so they'd be standing by doors just scanning the audience. And I asked one, of, of course, Mr. Curious, you know, I mm-hmm. said, uh, you know, who who all are you? They said, well, we're C four security. And I said, well, are you all security for the whole? For the whole conference, or just for somebody in particular? And they said, well, for a particular, uh, I forget what they called it, uh, distinguished visitor or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I said, well, who's that? And they says, we can't tell you. 
And I said, okay. Uh, and uh, so then I try and I asked them, I said, were you all like just part of a general security firm or tied to the government or whatever? And they said, well, we're affiliated with the government, which I thought was interesting. But uh, then uh, then they got sort of edgy with me asking questions. Mm-hmm. But it was, it, they would move the crowd. Like they'd, they'd push the crowd. If somebody went to ask questions up on the stage, mm-hmm. talk, they'd push them away from the crowd. And they made all the people go out certain doors at the end, particularly when Brigitte Gabrielle spoke. They they cordoned off the area of the church where the speakers and her were and made the other people go the other way. But at one time, I was sitting in the back, and um, there was, I guess, a man next to me that had been typing on a computer, and he had to get up and leave, and his bag was still there, his little map sack. Mm-hmm. So security yeah. ran over there, and they ran over and just started going through his bag next to me and pouring through his stuff. And so when he came back... I told him that uh, that they'd been doing that, and he was glad I told him. And it turned mm-hmm. out he was a Canadian journalist for mm-hmm. a big magazine up there called the Canadian Post. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he asked to talk with me about the background. On the, you know, I had explained about the pastor having, you know, been jailed on manslaughter charges for, you know, like decapitating a woman and stuff like mm-hmm. that, or almost doing it. And so he was asking for some background about that and about if what were evangelicals really like and. He says, in Canada, these kind of people here, this is what we see all the time. I mean, that's what we expect all evangelicals are, you know, where they were cheering and hollering about killing them all. <sighs> Can't and stuff. take it. But uh, what, one other curious thing, too, that came up was um, uh, the, 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 the guy, the representative who was talking about uh, not trusting Muslims in the military or anything, he said he was flying a commercial jet on 911, and he was oh, flying yeah, on the I West Coast. And uh, he said they got on his his uh, flight thing on his headset from from like air traffic control global I guess or national mm-hmm. and said uh, get down to VFR which is visual flight recognition I think that's usually below mm-hmm. eighteen thousand feet and go land at the nearest airport and he'd never heard anything like that before so he starts doing that and while he's doing it he comes on again please land at the nearest airport immediately and so he flies over to Phoenix. And he lands, and he says, as soon as the wheel touched, uh, he said that they got on the air and said, oh, thank God you made it. And uh, he immediately thought, he said, and he's speaking this to the crowd, that he says that, that he thought a nuke had gone off on the East Coast. And so he went and taxied the rest of the way, which, you know, takes a good while, deplaning everybody. He gets off the airplane, goes into the tarmac, under the, the terminal, and then sees the second airplane hit. And so I'm thinking this is pretty wow. weird because there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on between the time they've told him to go land mm-hmm. and the time that the second airplane hits. And so um, um, I went and asked him afterwards after I got through the crowd because he was very popular because he made some really bellicose statements. And I asked him, I said, uh, how long would you estimate from the time that you first heard the, the command to land until you saw that second airplane hit? And he estimated about 40 minutes. Hmm. Now, uh, I also asked him about um, if he knew why NORAD had stood down that day. And he said he didn't know anything about that. And then he got he sort of acted real funny toward me and said, well, you shouldn't believe everything on the Internet. Uh, and get back to his, you know, sort of war talk. And so I talked to Futurian Bob and Futurian Becky, and she looked up online and said, I think there was something like 17 minutes difference mm-hmm. between the first airplane and the second so if that's the case, they would have had to determine that there was a terrorist attack 
and would have actually gone through the motions of deciding what to do, sending the message through the chain of command to the FAA and out to the pilots Mm -hmm. some considerable period of time before the first airplane struck the building. So I don't know enough about the timelines that I'm on one to see if that's strange or not. Hmm. Um, They they may have known a hijacking was going on for a long time, but I sure didn't have any indication that they knew it was, was, uh, you know, something to the extent that it was a terrorist attack to ground Mm -hmm. the fleet. Because grounding the fleet, even if there's been a terrorist, like a hijacking, they've not ground the entire fleet until they saw it was like multiple airplanes. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if that's a surprise to any of our Futurians who know more about it. Uh, the 84630 Flight 11 crashes. 846, yeah. Yeah, and so then... Uh, Someone mm-hmm. next, sometime after 9 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, 9.03. Okay, so 19 minutes. So 19 minutes, man. Yeah. Uh... I don't know what to say. I mean, that's that's pretty weird, man. I think that is pretty weird. Um, so they knew it was a terrorist attack, not, you know, and that it wasn't just an isolated one. Enough to know that was going on and to get all the approvals to do something unprecedented, which was to ground the whole fleet, yep. get the word out to all the air traffic people, pass it down, mm-hmm. and have it sent out there. Yes. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, they... They put something on here. They said that they knew one of the airplanes was hijacked at, let's see, uh, Flight 175 is hijacked somewhere between 842 and 846. Uh, Let's see. Well, that's just a couple of minutes before the Uh, crash. Let's see. We have some planes. If you want to look at it later, since 824. we're 824. 824 is when, 821 is when they turn the flight's transponder off. So, that was the first, that was the five, that was the earliest point where you could say that somebody something knew something was going on. Something irregular. 821. It's 821 in the morning. And then, uh, at 846, the first plane hit the tower. So, but from 821, if that's the first indication they have something's wrong, if that's true, uh-huh. they would have had to know more stuff to know this is a terrorist attack. If they were just going based upon actions in the air, yeah, they they would immediately have to have ground some the fleet. Type of inside gig or yeah, something, yeah, know something somewhere, yeah. So, so that's pretty. Heavy. I don't know. That was I thought it was interesting, and um, uh, listeners, if y'all know any other pilots who are flying on nine one one, it'd be very curious to sort of find out if there's anything significant to that so mm-hmm. i'll leave it at that other than it was just a very very distressing meeting to go to and it shows that what we're talking about is extremely important mm-hmm. so tomorrow I'm oh gonna... no it, it may be early I, I i apologize it may be early as 8 13 8 13 okay yeah. all right but that's still it's still weird yeah 50 minutes 50 minutes that's just the time the transponder goes off uh-huh that doesn't say anything knowing about that they have multiple airplanes being hijacked and going to do something and then the decisions to go ground the fleet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going tomorrow to uh, hear Fawad Masri speak from the Crescent Project. 
going to a couple of pastors from our church and mm-hmm. uh, down at Lifeway. And so here's something positive about sharing the gospel, the life-giving gospel with Muslims. So that'll be good to cleanse my palate. That's enough. We need to get to some stories, bro. Yeah, well, start the ball rolling there. Are you sure? I, I've got one down in the stack here that I want to get to friend. that the second time I read it, I said, man, this is interesting. I want to yeah. make sure we get to it. So I'll well, have wait, to hold on. Let me make just a quick statement here. Okay, because we've uh, got a lot of material. Yeah, the second mile, that was uh, Jerry Sandusky's thing. I found a cached, I found a cached uh, list of the people on his board. Yeah. It includes Jim Croce, Gerald Ford, James E. Ford. William Getting, Jack Ham, Franco Harris, and Arnold Palmer, and a whole bunch of other guys. Yeah. Uh, but the, the this is this is the gentleman in the middle of the Penn State thing, though. Uh huh. Yeah. Joe you. Paterno, of course, is on right. the board as well. But right. the the interesting thing is the persistent rumors that keep coming up that you know there was some of the some mm-hmm. he was like renting them out to the yeah. to different people to wealthy donors and, yeah. and people on his board. Yeah. Because, uh, as if I recall, Gerald Ford had some sort of connection to the Franklin case. Yeah. Well, I've got some more to talk about on all that. Yeah. I think I've got a story coming up that you'll find interesting on that. Okay. So, um, this goes back to a little bit more. A little Is it bit about more pink ballets. No, you'll find out. Okay. But we got to get to it to get to it. Okay. Um, this is something that's a little bit more of what was been in the front burner of the news, but it could have a big impact on us here in a few months. Um, this is from a, a source you have to take for what it is. It's Debka, um, which is an Israeli site. It's fascinating to read. You just never know how much it's the IDF typing the messages. So take it for what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's true for a lot of our uh, media sources. Um, Debka says... Uh, just uh, as of yesterday, uh, it says, according to a briefing give, given to a closed meeting of Jewish leaders in New York, Sunday, November 13th, this is a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. the window of opportunity for stopping Iran attaining a nuclear weapon is closing fast, Debka files sources report. It will shut down altogether after late March 2012. The intelligence reaching U.S. President Barack Obama is that by April... Iran will already have five nuclear bombs or warheads, and military action would then generate a dangerous level of radioactive contamination across the Gulf region, the main source of the world's energy. Is there um, is there is there source on that the the Filipino monkey? No, I don't. <laughs> but here's the key. You know, it, there gets to be a point with stuff like this where whether it's true or not doesn't matter. The key is. This is the information they're using for an excuse mm-hmm. to set a soon timeline exactly. and to not do it an hour from now. So this is the data being set up as the rationale. It says, Sunday 2, President Barack Obama said the sanctions against Iran had taken an enormous bite out of its economy. He also said that the U.S. is united with Russian and Chinese leaders in ensuring Iran does not develop an atomic weapon and unleash an arms race across the Middle East. He spoke after talking to Russian President Dmitry Medvedev and Chinese President Hu Jintao at the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in Hawaii about the new evidence submitted by the Inter- International Atomic Energy Agency that Iran was engaged in clandestine efforts to build a bomb. Mm-hmm. He said both shared the goal of keeping a bomb out of Iran's hands. As to sanctions, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov told a news conference that sanctions against Iran had been exhausted and that now the problem should be solved through diplomatic channels. 
Demke Files analysts note that tough sanctions are pretty much off the table now. In any case, it is obvious that they failed to slow down Iran's work on a bomb, as confirmed by the latest IAEA report. Well, at least it made it really hard for the rank-and-file people of Iran, so at least it accomplished that, making their life hard, I'm sure. Okay, it says, The road of diplomacy favored by Moscow has proved worse than ineffectual. Its only result was to buy time for Tehran to carry on with its military atomic project, free of international pressure. Obama went on to say Sunday that while his strong preference was to resolve the Iran issue diplomatically, quote, we are not taking any options off the table. Iran with nuclear weapons would pose a threat not only to the region, but also to the United States, unquote. This was the first time the U.S. president had called a nuclear-armed Iran a threat to the United States. Until now, official statements limited the threat to, quote, America's regional interest and influence, which means Israel. The Jewish leaders meeting Sunday were informed that the Obama administration had intelligence data that the U.S. and Israel have no more than a couple of months left, okay, a couple of months, Mm -hmm. for striking down Iran's military weapons development by force. This will no longer be... all coming at you. Yeah. This will no longer be viable after Iran is armed with five nuclear bombs or warheads. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, Debkafal military and intelligence sources refute the wild rumors... Okay, they want to get away from wild rumors of Debbie, mm-hmm. alleging that the American CIA or Israeli Mossad was responsible for the massive explosion Saturday at a Revolutionary Guard base west of Tehran, in which Iran's chief missile chief, uh, Brigadier uh, Hassan Mogadam, was killed. Yeah, he died. Yeah. He is not alive. While both organizations have formidable capabilities, which Iran has experienced in the past, there is no way, even with a UAV, they could have had a single missile warhead in the middle of a guard space at the very moment the IRGC chiefs were gathered around considering how best to improve its precision. All the evidence garnered in the last uh, two days since the attack indicates that a single warhead blew up by accident while it was being handled rather than by sabotage. The key part of this is they're saying a couple months. Mm -hmm. And so now they're trying to come up with a reason why there's an urgency. They keep moving that date closer. Well, so that, this will be the one that could impact our day-to-day lives. Well, they just had a massive Virginia. explosion over there, as you as you said. Yeah. And uh, I have an article that goes along rather well with your. Oh yeah. I will see your. Jump in. I will see your Iran. Oh no. Nonsense and, and match it. Ra- raise it. Well, raise at it. least match it anyway. I don't hey, know you're gonna raise it. it. Okay. No, probably not raise it, but match it. This comes from uh, StratRisks.com. You know what I mean? You may be, maybe another one of those, like, consider the source things. Uh, CIA operations in Iran underway to take out Tehran Biggs and mission to dismantle weapons program. That was put out yesterday. Okay. About a couple hours before the big wow. explosion. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, the fin- let the finger pointing begin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this is, although the source technically is the New York Daily News. So... In public Sunday, President Obama was at a summit unsuccessfully leaning on Russia and China to back diplomatic efforts to curb Iran's nuke program. In private Sunday, there was more evidence of an efficient and brutal covert operation that continues to degrade Iran's military capabilities. So covert, the New York Daily News. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Iranian officials revealed that one of the 17 men killed in a huge explosion at a munitions depot was a key Revolutionary Guard commander who headed Iran's missile program. You, you kind of went through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the IRNA, 
which is their, their state news agency, yeah. discovered a new computer virus in their systems, a more sophisticated version of the Stuxnet. Mm-hmm. Iran said the army base explosion was an accident and the new uh, Duku virus was contain- contained. Uh, but Israeli newspapers and some U.S. experts said it appeared to be more from an ongoing secret operation by the CIA and Mossad to eliminate him. Uh, of course, Minister Ehud Barak said, may there be more like it when he heard about it. Yeah. Uh, but there was a third mysterious event. The son of a top Iranian hardliner was found dead, a seeming suicide in a Dubai hotel on Sunday. His father called it suspicious and linked and linked to the base explosion without elaborating. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Israel was accused of, of putting out these uh, 11 agents who killed a Hamas guy in Dubai. Right. Um, at the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Conference in Hawaii, Obama tried to get Russia and China to back a, tighten, uh, back a bid to tighten sanctions on Iran, uh, meeting individually with Russian President Dmitry Medvedev and Chinese presidency Hoi Jintao. Um, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich slammed Obama for not being smart on Iran. Uh, Gingrich said he would launch maximum covert operations against Iran, including taking out their science scientists. All of it covertly, all of it deniable. Which is funny because in this whole, as I posted to Will Griggs' uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. who, who mentioned a little, he kind of gave a little speech of Newt Gingrich. You know, the, the obvious thing in presidential debates is everybody's trying to up the rhetoric. Well, I'm mm-hmm. more of a hawk than you are, right? And I can just see, uh, I can just see him saying, "Well, we're going to assassinate people, we're going to assassinate scientists and civilians mm-hmm. and all this stuff." And I put on there, "Well, I can't wait to see the one-upmanship on this." Some guy saying. Well, I am going to send death death squads to to neighborhoods and camps of other countries, mm-hmm. where they go and they assassinate people randomly, and then they uh, they use the children to feed the underprivileged mm-hmm. in this country. There you go. Yeah, imagine there's no pizza. And then cut off cut off their ears and put them on a big string. Yep. Hey, I've got a. I've got a story on Pizza Man here before we're done that will, there's no pizza. that will blow your socks off. So. Only burgers and fries. Anything else you got there, buddy? No, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, I've got Imagine something here. All the pizza. This is literally hot off the press this afternoon. Yeah. And it dovetails into a story I had already saved previously to come on the air this afternoon. Sweetness. Just after I'd got my stories ready, I get one from Futurian Vaughn. Now, if you remember, Futurian Vaughn sent us something very interesting. I think it was last week or the week before, right as we went off the air, got something, didn't get I, it yes, on. Yes, yes. Well, he sent another one. I think uh, he's he's like a double agent or something. Could be. Could be or triple, quadruple. Yeah, he's, he's like the low-tech version of Stuxnet. <laughs> yeah, except he's more effective. Um, but he this time yeah. he sent it before we went on air. So this is one you're going to be interested in, Brother Tom, as well as mm-hmm. our Futurians, okay? Um this is uh, CNBC, okay? It has... Oh, or- I know this one. Huh? Shoot, I had this one. Uh, yeah, go ahead. About the PSYOPs? Yeah, the fracking. Oh, if you want to... Use- no, no, the- you've got it up, man. No, Read it. I no. I'm sorry. I should have oh. checked with you before. Don't, don't worry about you it. You sure you don't want to? Well, I guess I was right. You were interested. Yeah. Uh, oil executive, military-style PSYOPs experience applied. 
Uh, it says last week's oil industry conference at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Houston was supposed to be an industry confab just like any other, a series of panel discussions, light refreshments, and exchange of ideas. It was a gathering of professionals to discuss media and stakeholder relations in the hydraulic fracturing industry, mm-hmm. companies using the often controversial oil and gas extraction technique known as fracking. But things took an unexpected twist. CNBC has obtained audio tapes of the event on which one presenter can be heard recommending that his colleagues download a copy of the Army and Marine Corps Counterinsurgency Manual. And they have the audio on the, uh, we'll have this linked on the website and you mm-hmm. can listen to it. He says that's because, he said, the opposition facing the industry, you know, like public interest groups and stuff, mm-hmm. the opposition facing the industry is an insurgency. I love that. Yeah. We've got to. Even including like homeowners and people who have private wells that don't want chemicals getting in their wells. Mm-hmm. He's calling them an insurgency. It says another, this, these oil company reps. Another told attendees that his company has several former military psychological operations or psyops specialists on staff applying their skills in Pennsylvania. The comments were recorded by an environmental activist who passed along audio files to CNBC. The activist Sharon Wilson is the director of the Oil and Gas Accountability Project for the nonprofit environmental group Earthworks. She said she paid full price to attend the two-day event and wore a name tag identifying her organization as she recorded the conference. In a session entitled, Designing a Media Relations Strategy to Overcome Concerns Surrounding Hydraulic Fracturing, Range Resources Communications Director Matt Pizzarella spoke about, quote, overcoming stakeholder concerns about the fracking process. He says, we have several former PSYOP folks that work for us at Range because they're very comfortable in dealing with localized issues and local governments, Fitzgerald said. If they don't cooperate, they send a predator drone. <coughs> yep. Really, all they do is spend most of their time helping folks develop local ordinances and things like that. But very much having that understanding of PSYOPs in the Army and in the Middle East has applied very helpfully here for us in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. In another session, Matt Carmichael, manager of external affairs for Andarco Petroleum, spoke on the topic of understanding how unconventional oil and gas operators are developing a comprehensive media relations strategy to engage stakeholders and educate the public. He said he had several recommendations for the oil industry media professionals at the event, one of which he said involved the military. He says, download the U.S. Army uh, Marine Corps counterinsurgency manual, because we are dealing with an insurgency, Carmichael said. There's a lot of good lessons in there, and coming from a military background, I found the insight in that extremely remarkable. Mm-hmm. Reached by CNBC to provide context to his remarks about psychological operations, Range Resources' Matt Pizzarella explained that he was referring to one employee of the firm whose, whose military background makes him particularly good at handling emotional meetings with local representatives. So that's what he's talking about. Range employees. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, they have an agenda. Sell it. If not, you make them. Uh, He says range employs dozens of veterans and active servicemen and women. Pizzarella said, one employee who works with municipal governments in Pennsylvania has a background in psychological operations in the army. Since the majority of his work is spent in local hearings and developing local regulations for drilling, we found that his service in the Middle East is a real asset. 
Pizzarella explained that Range operates transparently with local communities and pointed out that it was the first company in the United States to fully disclose all of the fracking fluids that it uses. He also took issue with Carmichael's comments about using Marine Corps tactics on opponents in an insurgency. Mm-hmm. He says, that's not something I think we would do, Pizzarella said. You're not dealing with insurgents. You're dealing with regular people who live in towns and want to know what you're doing. Uh, Carmichael emailed a comment to CNBC explaining his remarks. The comment was simply suggesting industry embracing a broader move toward more active community engagement, increased transparency. And it's very important to build a fact-based knowledge to obtain public trust amid special interests that use misinformation to create fear. This is Wilson, uh, who recorded the remarks, said that the comments reveal what the fracking industry thinks about people in the communities that are impacted by the industry. What's clear to me is that having to use some very extreme measures in our neighborhood, she said, and it seems like they view it as an occupation, which is a very interesting way Mm -hmm. of phrasing it. She said she was surprised such military-style techniques would be discussed in an open forum. This is crossing a line. They considered it uh, was on the American people, sort of like they are going in and occupying our land, which is what they are doing, Wilson said. But another attendee saw the remarks differently. Chris Tucker, a spokesman for the industry group in Energy and Depth, said his comments about facing insurgency were simply simple as a joke. There's no black helicopters here, Tucker said. No one's rappelling down from a helicopter at 3 a.m. looking through people's trash. No, that's in Lancaster, <laughs> California, actually. Well, I want to hear more about that. Yeah. It says we go to township meetings and we hear what people have to say. And now, we, you know that's not the only time this stuff happens. Yeah. This is all the people we're paying with taxpayer dollars. Black, it we're came training out, yeah. them in Iraq to be used against well, us it came in out this way. That, it came out that Blackwater was being hired by companies like Apple and Google and Procter and & Gamble and stuff to be their own private CIA firm. I mean, it came out that yeah. that's what was going yeah. on, you know. So. And, and, you know, they're trained on taxpayer expense. Over to rock to see what works, what they can get away with, what's mm-hmm. effective. And then so big business supports that because then they can use that for their own purpose. Mm-hmm. How did you figure how to scare people, how to manipulate them? Well, great. Well, let's use that. And uh, I'll, after you're done with the story, I'll have a follow-up that goes takes this technique back even farther. Okay. Well, um, this one this one is about as weird as they come. All right. All right. This is actually well, many a, of our list freecharians will be applauding. Uh, this was a movie review from somebody that I, uh, somebody that I, I look to to get stories from on, yeah. on uh, a lot, and he was asked to remove a, to review a movie called Thrive. What on earth will it take? And uh, I'll read his little his little blurb about it. A public relations firm has been trying to get me to promote an upcoming film, Thrive. What on earth will it take? After receiving a few emails from these people, I finally watched the trailer for the film. Well, they succeeded in getting me to mention the film, but what follows is probably not what they had in mind. Let's take a look at the person behind this project, Foster Gamble. The last name should sound familiar uh, to readers who happen to read uh, who happen to read North Carolina's eugenics victims speak out, and that was something that I uh, that was one of the stories mm. he reviewed on his website. 
Uh, quoting from the from the article, eugenics was a scientific theory that grew into popularity popularity during the 1920s. Eugenicists believed that poverty, promiscuity, promiscuity, and alcoholism were traits that were inherited. To eliminate those society ills and improve society's gene pool, proponents of the theory argued that, the, that those that exhibited the traits should be sterilized. Some of America's wealthiest citizens of the time were eugenicists, including Dr. Clarence Gamble of the Procter & Gamble Fortune and James Haynes of the Hosiery Company. Hmm. Um, further, the following excerpt is from the American Eugenics uh, race, Queer Anatomy, and the Science of Nationalism by Nancy Ordover. Sanger and her colleague Clarence Gamble focused, uh, focuses their efforts on eliminating not poverty but the poor. Sanger endorsed and enabled Gamble's efforts to establish a direct link between welfare and sterilization in the southern states after World War II. Mm-hmm. Gamble's vision was not his alone. In the decades that followed, doctors, social workers, and government agencies took up the cause. Sterilization in the South was referred to as the Mississippi appendectomy, not only because it was so wow. common, but because medical staff relied on deception to atta- obtain dissent. Wow. Uh, similar protocol, uh, quote-unquote, was, was followed in clinics across the United States as hysterectomies and tubal ligations were performed in Chicanos, Puerto Ricans, African Americans, and Native Americans without patient or in the case of young girls, parental consent. Hmm. Uh, uh, so that's the end of those two. Mm-hmm. That the end of those two articles. He says the the reviewer goes on. He says, "I respect some of the people who are interviewed for this film, while others promote rat poison. Most people have never heard about the American eugenics movement, and my guess is that many of the people interviewed for this film haven't either. The PR people who told me that the film is in line with many topics that I cover on Cryptogon are correct." But I also happen to know about eugenics. So I just find it incredibly curious that a descendant of a monster is making a film about how to fix things. Yeah. But wait. And this is the punchline of the mm-hmm. film. The aliens are trying to give us free energy technology? Nobody likes free energy or alien conspiracies more than me. But mix that stuff in with a family who was, without any doubt, associated with class and race-based sterilization programs, and where does that leave us? Man, I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. Hmm. So, uh, anyway, he gives a little update here on it. He ended up watching the movie, yeah. and uh, uh, he was it was he was overall uh, gave a positive review mm-hmm. to it. I, he says, "I saw Thrive and On Balance. I definitely recommend it." With regard to eugenics, my concern about Foster Gamble seems to have been a case of guilt by association. Maybe, mm. maybe not. Um, he goes on to say, uh, Gamble seems genuinely interested in trying to help pro- people move through a very difficult and disturbing learning curve about what has happened to the political and economic systems on this planet. Um, he doesn't like Stephen Greer. He goes on. Yeah, because I was just thinking of Stephen Greer. He talked about free energy from aliens when I was in Montreal mm-hmm. when I spoke there. Yep. The UN so, thing. So anyway, that's that's kind of the... That's kind of the overview. Yeah. That is an that's that's weird. Hmm. That 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 pegs the meter even by future quake standards. Now is that a movie that's just come out? Uh, it it is still in the it's done. It just hasn't come out quite yet. Okay. But essentially, yeah, essentially Foster Gamble is promoting, you know, that aliens are giving us free energy technology and, mm-hmm. and that's it. Hmm. So well. yeah, and his dad 
like to sterilize people. Mississippi appendectomies. Wow. Well, I'm sure the, the aliens will probably ask to get rid of the undesirables. It's probably yeah. that or come from their mouth. As long as you get rid of the believers, everything's okay. Well, this is a story I came up with before Vaughn had sent me that one I just read um, about using psyops for on our own public, you know, military psyops. Mm-hmm. This is an article I happen to look at News with Views, which runs a number of columnists, including Dennis Cuddy, every week. Mm-hmm. And I, I really get a lot of Dennis Cuddy. I listen to his shows on Radio Liberty every Friday. Uh-huh. And, and I cut out the first half of it because it was talking about really what's going on right now with the U.N. and Trilateral Commission and, and globalist kind of thing. But he gives some history, and nobody beats Dr. Cuddy for history on yeah. the background of what happened to the PSYOPs people from World War II. Here's, here's what he says, uh, again from his recent article called A Bold New World in Forces Too Powerful, Part 2. He says, at this point, it is important to look at a little more closely at who has been psychologically manipulating the American people as well as many others in the rest of the world. In that regard, Christopher Simpson in Science of Coercion Communication Research and Psychological Warfare, 1945-1960, uh, which, by the way, I know is still at Amazon. I come mm-hmm. wrote. He says, I, "I first discuss the psychological warfare prior to 1945, stressing the early work of noted communication theorists Harold Laswell and Walter Lippmann, and the pioneer studies underwritten by the Rockefeller Foundation." Mm-hmm. Laswell and Lickman advocated a particular social order in the United States and the world in which forceful elites necessarily ruled in the interest of their vision of the greater good. Hmm. U.S.-style consumer democracy was simply a relatively benign system for engineering mass consent for the elite's authority. Harold Laswell had the ear of Rockefeller Foundation Administrator John Marshall. The elite of U.S. society are those who have the money to support research, as Laswell bluntly put it, should systematically manipulate mass sentiment. A key agent of well, such... Well, at least he's coming right out and saying Yeah, that. he's putting it on the table. Yeah. Okay. A key agent of such elite was John J. McCloy, Assistant Secretary of War during World War II, who established a highly secret psychology branch within the War Department General Staff G2 Intelligence Organization. And... Um, with with let's see, uh, McCloy would go on to become head of the World Bank and on the board of the Rockefeller mm. Foundation, chairman of the Ford Foundation, and chairman of the Council on Foreign Relations for many years. Mm. So you could say that guy's had some influence, probably. In could those be. Roles. And he ran the PSYOPs group of, of this. Just think how much he was able to do things to advance his own career using PSYOPs. It says other elites, such as William Paley, the guy who owned CBS, C.D. Jackson of Time Life and W. Phillips Davison of Rand were prominent staff members. All these guys were on the same staff at one time mm-hmm. of the U.S. Army Psychological Warfare Division during the Second World War. Two other centers of psychological warfare at that time were the Office of War Information, OWI, headed by Rhodes Scholar Elmer Davis, and Samuel Stouffer's research branch of the U.S. Army's Division of Morale. Hmm. After the war, Stouffer of Harvard University became a member of the Inter-Service Committee on Human Resources established by the Department of Defense in 1947. John Clausen, who was a veteran of Stouffer's research brands, wrote in his book or uh, article, Research on the American Soldier as a Career Contingency, 
and this is from Social Psychology Quarterly, 1984. Mm-hmm. He says, perhaps most intriguing was the number of our members who became foundation executives. Charles Dollard became president of the Carnegie Corporation. Donald Young shifted from the presidency of SSRC, of the Social Science Research Council, to that of Russell Sage. Delaney Devenny, or Leland Devenny, excuse me, Leland Devenny went from Harvard to the Rockefeller Foundation. William McKeek helped set up the Ford Foundation and became its vice president. Hmm. W. Parker Maudlin became vice president of the Population Council. The late Lyle Spencer of Science Research Associates endowed a foundation that currently supports a substantial body of social science research. So, so far what we're finding here is these two little small offices of psychological operations on the public, mass public in the war, basically bred all the executives that have took over the major foundations that do most of our social policy work yeah. in our nation. great. From just these small PSYOP departments. Okay, it says that Dollard, who was president of the Carnegie Corporation from 48 to 54, and Young of SSRC, urged Stuart Chase with the League of Industrial Democracy, formerly titled the Intercollegiate Socialist Society, to mm-hmm. write The Proper Study of Mankind. Okay, that's the name of a book, The Proper Study of Mankind. Well, wow, that book, sounds like uh, some race theology. That's heavy. Or, yeah, whatever they call that stuff, race what? Yeah. Theory, race theory, sorry. It says the book was initially financed by the Carnegie Corporation and was characterized as a project of the SSRC and was published in Harper's in 1948. In the book, one reads, quote, Theoretically, a society should be completely made over in something like 15 years, the time it takes to inculcate a new culture of a rising crop of youngsters. Prepare now for a surprising universe. Individual talent is too sporadic and unpredictable to be allowed any important part in the organization of society. Social systems which endure are built on the average person who can be trained to occupy any position adequately, if not brilliantly. Does this not call to mind Pavlov's conditioning of dogs in the past and outcome-based or school-to-work education today? Hmm. And how society would be, quote, made over by Chase can be seen in his earlier book, the new, a New Deal. Uh, Chase originated this term and would be a member of FDR's kitchen cabinet. Okay, so Chase came up with that New Deal. In 1932, in which he proclaimed, quote, I am not seriously alarmed by the sufferings of the creditor class, the troubles which the church is bound to encounter, the restrictions on certain kinds of freedom which must result, nor even by the bloodshed of the transition period. A better economic order is worth a little bloodshed. Revolution can give what no other road promises to give so directly and forcibly, a new religion. It will be called materialistic. We need a new religion. Red Revolution is a creed, dramatic, idealistic, and in the long run constructive. A nation, Russia, of 160 million people has adopted this religion. Groups are actually beginning to form. As yet, they are scattered and amorphous. Here's a body of engineers. There's a body of economic planners. Watch them. They will bear watching. If occasion arises, join them. They are part of what H.G. Wells has called the open conspiracy. Why should Russians have all the fun of remaking the world? And Chase would go on to be a consultant to UNESCO, you know, part of the UN, in 1949. Dollard was not the only president of the Carnegie Corporation and a trustee of RAND, but he was also chairman of the Human Relations Panel of the Defense Department's Committee on Human Resources. 
and paid panel consultants include Laswell and the Carnegie Corporation's John Gardner, who would become secretary of HEW under President Johnson, Alvin Health Foot, I forget, Welfare. <laughs> In Christopher Simpson's book mentioned above, the author states that it was the Carnegie executives who controlled the purse springs of the funds on which Stouffer relied. Now, I know that was a lot of names, a lot of words, a lot of organizations, but I don't know, did you catch what was being said there? And these are the guys who pull the strings in our society. They're basically talking about bloodshed, new religion. Yeah, we don't know, care. Here's what they're saying. We don't care. We're in charge. We're going to remake you into the, what we want you to be. And I can write it in a book in front of the public because the and public nobody cares. Yeah. yeah. La, la, yeah. la, 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 la. Stick yeah. your finger we in We got here. such control we can flaunt it. Yeah. So this whole thing about the psyops and the, the stuff going on right now, mm-hmm. that's an old old time kind of thing. Yeah. At least since World War II, the, the people, the psyops branch go out and then they control our society. Yep. So well, what you got for us, bro? Well, uh, there's so many ways I could go since we're talking about since we're talking about big time goofballs. Uh let, let's let's take a quick overview of Mario Monti. Right. Okay. It shouldn't be any This is the guy who is the economic whiz kid that took over Italy yes. just recently. Uh-huh. Okay. Mario Monti, the economist who will head an emergency Italian government, brings credentials earned in a decade of battles as a European commissioner. Monty made his name as the powerful competition commissioner who took on U.S. corporate titan General Electric and Microsoft, blocking GE's planned merger with rival Honeywell and imposed a record $497 million antitrust fine on the software giant. Um, but the big, the big thing here is that he is, I'll just, I'll just fast forward right down here to the bottom. He is chairman of the European branch of the Trilateral Commission a body that yeah. brings together powerful elites of the United States, Europe, and Japan, and is also a member of the secretive Bilderberg group of business leaders and of other oh, quote-unquote leading citizens. Not they, they, it's not that Bilderbergs would have been discussing this recently to put him in this position, I'm sure, no, right? No, no, but that's kind of I that's wouldn't think that it. would happen. Yep. One well, of the corporate guys. Let me, um, let me just go over here to this other article from uh, the Financial Times. Do-do-do-do... Uh, uh, not even on a Sunday paper is the head headline. Well, this is from Zero Hedge. Not even on a Sunday is the headline barrage over. And he lists a bunch of headlines. And so the international advisor to Goldman Sachs drones on. Hmm. That meaning Mario Monti. He is a he is a uh, 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 the international former international advisor to Goldman Sachs. Hmm. One condition was that Mr. Monti in implementing austerity measures and reforms would stick to the contents of the letter of intent presented by Mr. Berlusconi to last month's Eurozone Summit. That would rule out the emergency measures of a wealth and prosperity property tax and possibly an overnight raid on bank deposits, which Mr. Monsi is said to be considering if Italy is denied access to the, fa- to the financial markets. Let me say that again. Hmm. Mr. Monti is said to be considering possible overnight raids on bank deposits. Awesome. And we You know, it's funny. I just got an email from somebody who got from their financial advisor who's around the country mm-hmm. that just said that he's going to start scooting his money out of his bank. He says he expects banks to get locked up yep. as a byproduct of what's happening in Europe. Yep, I'm sure. They, and they also, he also said, now, I'm not endorsing any of this. I'm just saying what he said. 
he said, if there's something that's imported that you make overseas that you've been wanting to get for a while, get you better right go on and get it because he said it'll just shut down trade mm. when this stuff's going on. It's too bad. I've always wanted a, I've always wanted an Aston Martin. Yeah. I was thinking of like a Ducati or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. You don't seem like a motorcycle guy. Oh, man, you don't know me, man. I guess not. You've never seen me on two wheels going in front of church when I'm coming in? Yeah. Like I have. A wheelie? Yeah, I was going to say, like, you're yeah. coming around the corner too fast. Yeah, like, hell, get me off this yeah. thing. Yeah. Making making <laughs> Mrs. Future, like, lean to the inside to uh-huh. keep the wheels down. Yeah, yeah, it's like they do with when they have the sad cars, you know. Uh-huh. Yep. So any other more on uh, uh, on our new head yeah. of state insider? Uh, but on the political fringes, there are already those pertaining Mr. Monty, who is listed by Goldman Sachs, the investment bank, on its board of international advisors as a tool of the masters of the universe, along with Mario Draghi, head of the European Central Bank and former Goldman Sachs executive. So they take a Goldman Sachs guy. Basically, he's got all these corporate connections currently. They just put him in this position of power out of desperation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like they don't know what else. I, I think Mish talked about the technocracy taking over. Yeah, that, he said that's the next phase. People who think they know what's good. Yeah. Say that they, they know what's good. They just benevolent dictatorship, basically. Because they, uh-huh. they'll just whiz kids. We'll yep. take care of it. This is the band of criminals who brought us fu- this financial disaster. It is like asking arsonists, arsonists to put mm-hmm. out the fire. Right. commented Alessandro Salusti, editor of Il right. Giornale, uh, a Milan daily owned mm-hmm. by the Berlusconi family. Yeah. Um, so there you have it. Yeah, he's, mm. he's listed there. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, along with uh, Lord Griffiths of uh, uh, Forstfach, which is an area in Wales, hmm. and uh, Issing, Otmar Issing, I've heard that name. Yeah. Now, who are these other people? These are all people who are board on the board of international advisors. Okay. Yeah, various lords and stuff. For uh, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Yeah. So they'll probably have a state position here pretty soon and some. Yeah. Head of state. Well, yeah. Uh, lord Griffiths is of course a lord. You know, House yeah. of Lords and all that. So. Right. Right. Um, so there you have it. All right. All right. Things are getting more into an in-game state. Yep. In under two weeks. You could see uh, the European Central Bank and mm-hmm. Italy and Greece being taken over and called call Italy Goldman and Greece Sachs. <laughs> well, Italy's too big to bail out, right? I mean, that's the thing they they understand mm-hmm. they can't bail it out. They can and barely be a gr- barely be bail Greece right. out. I don't think they can. But they, and Italy's seven times as big economy, if I remember uh-huh. right. Yeah. And France is also wobbly too, yeah. if I understand. Yeah, France is. There are people. Uh, the bond. The bond market yeah. has already taken shots at France. It's so. that magic 7% bond limit in that when it starts to get dicey. Well, it's wacky. They're... I mean, it's all across Europe. It's wacky. Yeah. Uh, somebody wrote into Mish's, Mish's, Mish's yeah. website, and uh, he was an economist with the Slovenian bank. Yeah. Signed his name and everything. He said that he said that their, their bad loan rate of the Slo- Slovenian National Bank was 15%. <laughs> wow. I mean, can you, mm. could, if you were running a business making widgets, yeah. could you live on 15% of your product being flawed? Well, no. well, I was just saying about 15% of creditors not paying their bills, you know. Yeah. That's uh, um, that's what does in small business usually is when they're, you know, their customers don't pay them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Can I get a little bit more detail on the Sandusky thing? Sandusky. This is uh, the the Penn State Sandusky. guy. Now, I, I, this is another one of those consider the source, okay? I found this on henrymacow.com. Uh, some people love him. Some people hate him. They don't always agree with him. Save the males. Pretty intense uh, stuff you find there, okay? Yeah. So, and, and this is no exception. This is pretty intense, but you'll take it for what it's worth, okay? Mm-hmm. But one thing I liked about this article is, you know, you mentioned the Franklin cover-up and these other kind of things. This mm-hmm. one alludes to all of the relevant ones in one document for our listeners. Who Does it talk about the pink ballets? Well, just wait to see what he says, right. okay? And you right. can supplement it where necessary. Okay, this is actually written by Hayden Fox uh, for HenryMcCall.com. It says, Sandusky, part of Illuminati pedophile network. Now, I am just reciting this from an article, okay? I cannot verify any of this stuff, but this is for your own research, listeners. It says, the Penn State Jerry Sandusky scandal may just be getting started. Undisclosed allegations implicate Sandusky in a massive homosexual pedophile ring. There was a report Sandusky pimped out boys to donors and that the list includes powerful politicians. The Penn State scandal is part of a worldwide Illuminati pedophile network where powerful homosexuals prey on vulnerable youths. This includes the Franklin cover-up from 88 to 1991 where boys from Omaha's Nebraska's Boys Town were trafficked to Washington politicians. Okay, Remember that in Omaha mm-hmm. for later in the show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to Washington politicians. Are we it taking in- a ride there or something? Well, no. Just It includes the 1996 uh, Dutro affair mm, in Brussels, yep. where a sex predator serial killer implicated much of the Belgian elite and many European aristocrats. Mm-hmm. It includes the Casapia scandal. Casapia is a state orphanage in Portugal. Witnesses broke silence in 2004. Man, that's an ugly one, too. Yeah. Since then, 800 witnesses came forward in the longest trial in Portuguese history. Yep. Several elite members were convicted last year of involvement with the pedophile ring, dating back several decades. Including, I believe, like, like, like the Johnny Carson of Portugal. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think. Yeah, if I have my uh, facts correct. Which, uh, yeah, he was like a big, a big uh, media personality, yeah, 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 yeah. big time. Yeah, sort of a icon in their world. Mm-hmm. The convicted included Portuguese TV anchorman Carlos Cruz. That guy. Okay. Former Casapia governor Manuel Abrantes and former UNESCO ambassador Jorge Rito. The Penn State assistant uh, football coach Jerry Sandusky was indicted on 40 counts of sexual assault on boys ages 10 to 15. The indictment is the result of a three-year investigation triggered by a mother pressing charges of sexual harassment of her 15-year-old son. The smoking gun was an affidavit by Mike McCreary, another assistant coach who walked in on Sandusky anally raping a 10-year-old boy in the Penn State locker room. The witness informed head coach Paterno the only action taken by top school officials was to tell Sandusky not to bring his victims on campus. None of the coaches or school officials reported a thing to police. How could an assistant coach caught penetrating a 10-year-old boy get away with it why did the university protect him? Well, this is about the Second Mile Foundation. Sandusky founded Second Mile, and, and you know includes what you said, the mm-hmm. board, but there's more details. Mm. Founded the Second Mile in 1977 as a, quote, foster home dedicated to helping troubled boys with absent or dysfunctional families. That's what members of NAMBLA, or the North American Man-Boy Love Association, would call a, quote, chicken ranch. 
The victim in the 2002 anal rape in the Penn State locker room was a boy housed at Second Mile. Here's where it gets interesting. The Second Mile Foundation was recognized as one of President Bush's 1,000 points of light. Marvin P. Bush is on the National Collegiate Athletic Association Board of Directors. This has helped child trafficking in plain sight works in America. Children and teenage minors without parental care become wards of the state. It means CPS, or Child Protective Services, has custody of them, and juvenile court judges can hand them over to whomever they deem fit. If you've ever known people that were trapped in the juvie system, they'll tell you rapes and exploitation happen all the time, mm-hmm. and rarely does anyone get in trouble. I Yeah, I think that those CPS and DCS workers are pretty satanic, to yeah. be honest. Well, it's sad because, you know, you and I have somebody close to us, and even to the show, who has worked in that field, and I'm mm-hmm. sure... You know, from what I've gathered from them, that there are many, many good, hardworking people working in that field, but there's also a lot of scary stuff going on in that field, too. Yeah. And uh, so we can't say everybody in that system's that way. No, but, like 10%, 20%. People, I, don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but it, it, it's... Alex Jones says it's a size 30%. Yeah. It's a it's it's an ideal environment for those people to Yeah, to you have do no yourself. oversight. And yeah. In 2004, Georgia State Senator Nancy Schaefer found evidence of deep corruption within the Federal Child Protective Services System, which handles children designated as wards of the state. She reported, quote, The Adoption and Safe Families Act, set in motion by President Bill Clinton, offers cash bonuses to the states for every child they adopt out to foster care. In order to receive the adoption incentive bonuses, local child protective services need more children. Clinton's federal changes to CPS and juvenile justice system rewards corruption and shelters molesters. She realized the federal government has been part of the international tracking of children. Um, Schaefer was suicided in March 2010 after speaking at the World Conference of Families in Amsterdam in 2009. Though foster care is usually living hell for children trapped in the CPS system, High-profile group homes are often a wonderful reprieve that offer children a safe haven and real chances to aspire to a decent future. But some are owned and operated as fronts for the elite pedophile ranks. Sandusky was charged with sexually abusing eight boys over a 15-year period. During the entire time, Sandusky was running a foundation for, quote, throwaway boys. Now, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, GLAD, issued a bizarre statement that a suspected pedophile backed by a powerful institution was allowed to have foster children, while same-sex couples who can provide loving families are often denied that opportunity. Now, according to LGBT logic, Sandusky isn't a homosexual. He is a pedophile heterosexual. GLAD stressed that Sandusky is married and that most pedophile cases involve straight married men. Thus, they try to transfer the stigma of gay pedophilia to heterosexuals. Let's be honest. Heterosexuals are repulsed by same-sexual activity. Saying that men that rape boys isn't homosexual is absurd. A homosexual... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the definition. Yeah. A homosexual demands intimate contact with members of the same sex. The history of homosexuality carries with it a strong connection to pederasty, and a disproportionate link between homosexuality and pedophilia. Why else are most child molestation victim boys uh, boys, when less than 2% of the population is homosexual? That's a good point. Mm. You know, you would think 2% of the victims would be boys, but it's certainly much higher than that. So 
be a homosexual encounter. The mass media is afraid of the H word because it's run by Illuminati and it's afraid of gay lobbies. Conclusion: The Illuminati. Come right use, out and say it, man. Yeah, uh, this is this is the author of the article. Yeah. The Illuminati use pedophilia to blackmail and control their members. Perhaps the public can wield the stick. The Penn State scandal demonstrates that the Illuminati are made extremely vulnerable by their sadistic pedophile practices. So far, they've been able to cover up the extent of this network. Further investigation and public pressure should expose and neutralize more Illuminati perverts. So, anyway. You know, we had had an article earlier where we talked about how homosexual people shouldn't be unfairly pointed out by the state, you know, like using state services and mm-hmm. stuff. And But, you know, this is another side of the coin right here. But I thought that mentioned a lot of those things that you and I have studied about widespread pedophile rings. I when we saw this man. happen, it had the same hallmark of it. Yeah, I, I, I have a hard time even talking about that stuff. I get so angry. Well, a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people. I've seen this guys on like ESPN, which Mrs. Future watches all the time, and, mm-hmm. and they were talking about it, and they just lose their cool. You know, they just yeah. can't. And it's like sports is one thing, but this is yeah totally different, totally different level. Yep. Okay, you got a story for us? Well, I was going to go with one story, but now I'm going to go with another one. This okay. just posted a few minutes ago at Misha's website. Okay. Chinese banking system near bankrupt, says professor of finance at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Oops. They were the people that were supposed to be bailing everybody out, weren't yep. they? Yep. Nothing shocking about mistrust, lies, suppression of news. In one of those headline news stories that sounds shocking but is not shocking in the least, the Epoch Times reports Chinese TV host says regime nearly bankrupt. <laughs> China's economy has a reputation for being strong and prosperous, but according to a well-known Chinese television personality, the country's gross domestic product is going in reverse. Hmm. Larry Lang, chair professor of finance at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, said in a lecture that he didn't think was being recorded that the Chinese regime is in a serious economic crisis on the brink of bankruptcy. In his memorable formulation, every province in China is Greece. The restrictions Lang placed on the October 22nd speech in Shanghai City in northern China's Liangyang province included no audio or video recording and no media. He can be heard saying that people should not post his speech online or everyone will look bad mm. in the audio that is now on YouTube. In the unusual closed-door lecture, Lang gave a frank analysis of the Chinese economy and the censorship that is placed on intellectuals and public figures. What we're about to say is all true, but under this system, we are not allowed to speak the truth, he said. Despite Lang's polished appearance on his high-profile TV shows, he said, Don't think that we are living in a peaceful time now. Actually, the media cannot report anything at all. Those of us who do own TVs are so miserable and frustrated because we cannot do any programs. As long as something is related to the government, we cannot report about it. He said the regime doesn't listen to experts and that party officials are insufferably arrogant. If you don't agree with him, he thinks you are against him, he said. And uh, so huh. it, uh, I hope there's a cat in the bag somewhere because China's China's rabbit in the hat has... Well, you know, croaked. they were another boogeyman we were supposed to be afraid of. China, to all the coming at us. Military yeah, defense, everything else. You know, I remember in the 80s when Japan was buying up most of the West Coast, and mm-hmm. we thought, they're going to take over, they're going to own our country. Well, you see what happened to their economy. Seems like when they start getting a middle class and people live beyond their means, 
And it seems like each of these cycles go quicker because mm, China's yeah. like meteoric fall. Japan's not quite as fast fall. Us, yep. we we got the post-war boom. I I still think, although our American exceptionalism says it's everything so great about us is why we've prospered for 50 years or more. Uh-huh. I'm thinking it had to be a lot of a post-war boom, the fact that our infrastructure wasn't destroyed in World War II like the other world economies. Mm-hmm. And we had such a jump start, I mean massive jump start, that it has lasted us for a couple of generations. But Possibly. our misuse of it and laziness and that kind of stuff, living beyond the means of our mm-hmm. economy, has now caught up with us. You know, it's interesting. Um, I would say that's probably probably not too bad. Uh, I would tend to put it more in misallocation of resources, yeah. you know, like incredible waste. Well, you know, same thing. I mean, that's yeah, just that's you know, not living within your means. Waste is usually a lot with it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's unrighteous living. Sometimes it's just dissipative activity. Okay, I moved this story up a notch on my uh, thing because this moving it up a notch. This is interesting. Moving it up, moving it up you, another notch. story to take for what it's worth. This sort of connects with the story mm-hmm. I just read, okay? Yeah. Okay. What what town did I tell you that I, we were talking about that I told you to remember? North Dakota. No. Morristown. No. Watertown. No. Nashville. Begins with an O. Over Under Gang? Omaha. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm just being, a, yeah, just being difficult. Sorry. Wasting our listeners' time. Okay, this is a website called Down with Tyranny. Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't know anything about this story. I'll have it linked. You can read it and make your own opinions to see if there's anything worth considering here. Uh, this is a very controversial story here, but it just sort of gets the wheels turning. Does Herman Cain have a $40 million problem, one that could, as they say, come out? Okay, the, the there's a link to there to a devastating Herman Cain video that was posted by the Ron Paul camp. Uh, which you should watch. It says it should have put a quick end to whatever there is of Payne's campaign for the Republic, Republican presidential or vice presidential nomination, although I suspect he'd be equally happy with a secondary ambassadorship. But it didn't. Inside the GOP these days, support from the Koch brothers or one of their lackeys, Trump's good judgment or even common sense. Herman Cain wasn't just the former chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City, and he wasn't just the godfather's pizza guy either. A a confidential informant to his site wrote the following guest post for for them, okay? This is their guest post on the site. It says, two black Republicans walk into a restaurant in Omaha in 1986. Could be either of their joints. They are both in the restaurant biz. One of them sang for two presidents. The other wants to be president. Well, maybe they've never been in each other's restaurants, and even though they would, uh, they both would gain notoriety for their banking skills, maybe they have never traded one thin dime. But Omaha is a great big small town. Mm. In Herman Cain yeah. lore, in Herman Cain lore, the man single-handedly saved Burger King. Uh, and so impressed were the powers uh, that be at Pillsbury that they made Kane head doughboy in charge of the faltering Godfather's pizza chain. Kane was able to lure Godfather's uh, around and turn it around in 14 months. So wildly profitable goes the yarn that Pillsbury sold the chain. Now, you don't often see the names of the buyers in this tale of food and glory, but it was a group of managers, investors, led by one, 
Herman Cain. So mm. the fact that he led it to be so good that they could sell it off it was because they were selling it off to him. Mm. He had a, he was running it and then arranged the deal to sell it off to himself. Godfathers was a mess, but not on the brink of bankruptcy. Still, the mission statement on their website declares that they aim to profitably provide consistently good food and great service. Now, I personally wouldn't target profitability as job one on my customer accessible website, along with toppings and coupons, but I digress. Anyway, the truth is, is that Godfathers was only uh, on the brink of not being worth Pillsbury's time, and it stayed that way for two years under Kane. They then sold it to him and his investor friends for a rather curious sum. More on that later. Hmm. Who were these investors who had money for the slice? This was in 1988, and restaurants were and remain today dodgy investments, especially when a huge food conglomerate is giving them a vote of no confidence. When adjusted for inflation, get this here, Cain's long reign over Godfathers saw a 40% drop in profits, and Godfathers went from 5th to 11th ranked pizza chain in the United States. Which explains his mission statement. Okay. That's rough. Yeah. That was his leadership. Okay. Omaha is tornado country. So when I say it's a great big small town, I'm talking acreage versus gossipy connectivity. It's flat and spread out with few tall buildings, but everyone is a whisper away from everyone else's business. It's not so big as to be home uh, to two up and coming black Republicans with strong ties with the big wigs and Republican Party. One of them, Lawrence King. Who could never cross paths. Yes, that's who we're going to talk about. Okay. Okay. He's a bad dude. Okay. Now, what they're saying is there was these two guys, Herman Cain and him in Omaha, with rising up in Republican Party politics, and could they be connected, okay? Mm -hmm. Restaurant people of all colors make it a point to know each other. To know what secrets wandering waiters and chefs may have taken with them as they move from job to job, etc. Wealthy Republicans are an even tighter clique. Wealthy black Republican restaurateurs in Omaha, Nebraska in the late 80s were more likely to have been twins than not to have social if not business tasks. Lawrence E. King was a fixture in the Omaha black community. He had seen his opportunity gathering up black folks' money in a credit union known as the Franklin Credit Union which he'd taken over in 1970. By 1976, there were whispers about this 300-pound socialite living large. There were minor stabs at investigating him, but the police did not want to be seen as the big, bad white guys picking on uh, a a big uh, black man. Tales of King entertaining guests with cocaine, hookers, and hustlers were pervasive, but Omaha had some strange code of silence. It had been for many years a sort of mob-neutral zone. Tony might whack Vinny in Chicago, but in Omaha their kids and wives would peacefully shop, play, and picnic together. Drawing attention is not acceptable. Bush, Bush flew to Omaha 911 in a very standard emergency protocol, and not one in ten Americans ever knew. Lily Tomlin and her partner Jane Wagner were an own couple around the Big O long before Lily came out. Hmm. Omaha had lots of stories and still does, but none of them are news. King, who had been recruited by the RNC, Republican National Convention, to get out the re- black Republican vote, in his rise with the Republican ranks, was able to be the sum of their black best friends, as it were. He sang the national anthem at the 84 and 88 Republican conventions. In 1986, the Franklin Federal Credit Union 
moved into brand new digs that also served as headquarters for King's burgeoning catering and food service empire. King began making donations to the Omaha Press Club, the Republican Party, and even gay rights organizations, especially those funding area youth programs. Upon being told that he had no style by a 10-year-old boy, he went shopping and became a clothes junkie big time, thus earning the nickname Reverend Alice. People really began talking. Franklin Federal Credit Union seemed to be all right until an audit of King's taxes revealed what appeared to be some missing funds. A phony certificate... It turned out to be a little bit more than a few bucks. Well, there we go. A phony certificates of deposit scheme. Initially... Uh, it was thought that 400000 had disappeared, then $4 million. Ultimately, $40 million was determined to have vanished. Okay? Yep. Remember that, $40 million. Four zero. Okay. The FBI raid of the credit union sparked rumors that drugs and child pornography were discovered in the lower levels of the facility. It had been whispered that King had used the basement of the credit union as a waiter academy to train young men in the fine art of waiting tables for what was hopefully to become his restaurant empire. In an Omaha World Herald interview, he spoke about how he wanted his places to be real elegant. The waiters would wear white dinner jackets. But King's deeper desires were rumored to be something quite different. There was a lot of recruiting yeah, there was a lot of recruiting going on for guys to become part of King's catering business. Many teens and young men talked of being expected to put out and rumors of pornographic video shoots circulated in the gay and black communities. After a raid, there was an investigation into what had become of the missing funds. Eventually, a private investigator was hired by the state legislature to look into stories of an international child prostitution ring. He interviewed dozens of waiters and folks around Omaha who had been curious about King's lavish gifts and extravagant ways. But things seemed tempered by the fact that King hung out with presidents and area journalists and owned a bank and, and sushi bar and whatever. The investigator is said to have flown to Chicago to meet with a person who had damning photographic evidence as to what was going on in the bowels of Franklin. That investigator never made it back to Omaha. His plane mysteriously blew up on the return flight. Primary witnesses suddenly changed their stories, and those who did not were convicted of perjury. One rent boy who testified that he was far of doubt to several closeted power brokers in and around Omaha died mysteriously in New Mexico. King was convicted of bank fraud and served nearly 10 of the 15 years to which he was sentenced, but the grand jury concluded that all of the salacious allegations were merely a big hoax. These allegations, including supplying children for satanic blood rituals in Spain and supplying teens to a sex party in Washington, D.C., where some of those teens claim they saw George W. Bush in attendance. The story is larger and dirtier than what was within the scope of the guest blog, and in fact uh, was the subject of a Discovery Channel investigative report. Alas, that program was purchased a week before it was to air by some anonymous party. So they kept it from airing, in other words. Okay, says everybody in Omaha knew about this story, and everybody knew somebody connected to it. He says, I almost opened the, the runner of the, the website here. He says, I almost opened an account in Franklin until a friend who worked there told me not to put my money in the booty bank. So what happened hmm. to the $40 million that King ripped off from the Franklin Federal Credit Union? It's not very clear. But the year Franklin was raided, a small group of restaurant managers and a future black Republican presidential candidate 
bought a chain of mafia-themed pizza joints from Pillsbury for $40 million. I wondered if that's where this was going. Pretty curious, isn't it? Yeah. Same business, same town. It was called uh, Down with Tyranny. I'll have a link up on the website. The exact same year, $40 million missing from the Franklin Credit Union. Yeah. Yeah, is this is part of the Franklin cover-up? Yeah. They, I, um, I had done some research and they sort of found, they thought they found out where that money went. Okay. But it's funny you mention that because I wasn't really convinced based on, based on the documentaries I watched. Yeah. yeah. And really there's, there's only one really big documentary, but the stuff I, I read, I was like, mm, don't think they. Well, in case you missed it, folks, uh, following my droning, um, $40 million is what Herman Cain and his other restaurateurs paid for by Godfathers, yeah. which was the missing money. So mm-hmm. could be a coincidence, you know, in the same town, in the same business, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, got a story for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is from Air. By the way, were you interested in that at all? Extremely. I know a lot, a lot of that was like old hat for you, but yeah. not for the rest of us mortals. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is from ARSTechnica.com. Vulnerabilities give hackers ability to open prison cells from afar. So, Mm. yummy. (laughs) Makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. Researchers have demonstrated a vulnerability in the computer systems used to control facilities at federal prisons that could allow an outsider to remotely take them over, doing everything from opening and overloading cell door mechanisms to shutting down internal communication systems. Tiffany Rad, Teague Newman, and John Strokes, Strokes? I'm not sure, uh, who presented their research on October 26th at the Hacker Halted Information Security Conference in Miami, worked in Newman's basement to develop the attacks that could take control of prison's industrial control systems and programmable logic controllers. They spent less than $2,500 and had no previous experience in dealing with these techniques. Hmm. Although they are, that's what they do for a living, you know. The Washington Times' Sean Waterman reports that the researchers had delivered their findings to state and federal prison authorities, and the Department of Homeland Security had independently confirmed their research. We validated the researchers' initial assertion that they could remotely reprogram and manipulate the ICS software and controllers. Former National Cybersecurity and Communications Integration Center Director Sean P. McGurk, who left DHS in September... Um, uh, moving on here to just make it a kind of a quick story. You could open every cell door and the system would be telling the control room they are all closed. Strux, a former CIA operations officer, told the Times. He said that he thought the greatest threat was that the system could be used to create the conditions needed for the assassination of a target prisoner. Hmm. Got a point. <laughs> Got a point. No. So that was, was a, sort of a short one, but I think a That's good okay. one. Yeah. Well, I have a couple s- short ones too. Just, okay. This is weirdness. Giving our weirdness quotient back. Mm-hmm. Um, tipping our hat out there for our friends out there. Um, this is from the AP. Actually, I got it in Yahoo News. AP story: Nuke agency reports unusual radiation in Europe. Uh, it's out of Vienna. It says very low levels of radiation which are higher than normal but don't seem to pose a health hazard. 
are being registered in the Czech Republic and elsewhere in Europe, the International Atomic Energy Agency said Friday. The agency said the cause was not known, but it was not the result of Japan's Fukushima, Fukushima nuclear disaster, which spread radiation across the globe in March. The very low levels of iodine-131 have been measured in the atmosphere, the agency said in a statement. Mm-hmm. It said such a radioisotope will lose much of its radiation in about eight days. However, an official familiar with the matter, who asked for anonymity because he was not authorized to comment, said the release appeared to be continuing. The agency said it was investigating. In Prague, an official at the Czech State Office for Nuclear Safety said he was 100% sure that the radiation had not come from any Czech nuclear power plant or from any other source on Czech territory. Speaking on condition of anonymity because he wasn't authorized to talk to the media, the official said tests are underway around the country to try to identify the source. The Czechs are betting, heavy, betting heavily on nuclear power and have plans to dramatically increase production, a move that would give the country a place among Europe's most nuclear-dependent nations. They currently rely on six nuclear reactors for 33% of their total electricity. The government hopes to at least double that output. And that's in stark contrast to its neighbors. German Chancellor Angela Merkel's government decided to phase out nuclear energy in 2022, following a meltdown at Fukushima, and Switzerland has followed suit. And Austria has abandoned nuclear energy after that Chernobyl disaster and opposes the Czech program. Hmm. So somebody could be sending something up there just to discredit them. Yeah. Also, Hungary said that they've recorded too. What do yep. you think of the possible sources of this mystery? Iraq, radiation? Iran. Testing or something? Yeah, I'm not sure what, mm. but uh, I'll put the tentative. I'll put the tentative balloon out there that this is a, this is something the to put egg on the face of Iran. Hmm. You know the final uh, straw. Well, be. we needed to attack them, so there was. Could be. Meanwhile, meanwhile, mm-hmm. if you look, you look at the jet stream. It goes up over northern Iraq, where we have tons of people on Azerbaijan, where yeah. you know that peninsula there is so polluted. Like, yeah, you know, the swamp thing is going. Yeah. Dang, I ain't even going right. there. Too nasty for me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So. Hmm. Well, if I can just do one of a couple sentences here, just mm-hmm. on the weirdness, I'll wrap up with this. Yeah. Why is China building these gigantic structures in the middle of the desert? That's a weird one, too. Did you see it? I saw it. It's super weird. Uh, I'll have a link here to gizmodo.com. It says, this is crazy. New photos have appeared in Google Maps showing unidentified titanic structures in the middle of the Chinese desert. The first one is an intricate network of what appears to be huge metallic stripes. Is this a military experiment? They seem to be wide lanes drawn with some white material or maybe the dust have been dug by machinery. It's located in Dunhuang, Zhuwan, uh, Gansu, north of the Shul River, which crosses the Tibetan Plateau to the west of the Kumtag Desert. It covers an area approximately one mile long by more than 3,000 feet wide. The tracks are perfectly executed, and they seem to be designed to be seen from orbit. Perhaps it's some kind of targeting or calibrating grid for Chinese spy satellites, or a Q- QR code for aliens. Nobody knows. And you can check out yourself on Google Maps. And if you go to that link I'll have on the website, there's multiple kinds. The yeah. one of them looks like it's, I don't know how you would describe it, almost like broken glass. Yeah. It's like little trapezoidal shape, you know, things interlaced. Well, you know, mosaic. like the figure eight racetrack? 
Yeah. They're like up in a, a notch. Maybe. Woo. <laughs> With millions of intersections. A figure like a figure. Man, that would be bad. 157 intersection. Yeah, yeah, well, you have to look at so you know what we're talking about. But, I mean, there's other interlaced grids and everything else mm-hmm. that's on this unprecedented scale. Mm-hmm. Nothing I can think of that explains what's going on. I don't know. But we'll take a look at it and see what you all think. Yeah. Okay. One bro, more? Bro Tom, yeah. At least um, whatever you got. Okay, let me throw one more on here because you mentioned, we, we talked about it earlier. I alluded it alluded to it. This is from the dailynews.com. Or dailynews.com. Lancaster's spy plane plan okayed. So, the city of Lancaster. <laughs> okay. Um, Pennsylvania? Nah, California. California. A little north of L.A. Okay. Kind of out in the desert. Lancaster will soon begin filming its citizens from above as a camera-equipped plane circles over the city under a controversial plan to track potential criminal activity. The program unanimously approved by the city council this week will utilize a Cessna 172 fixed-wing aircraft equipped with a recording device. Mm. The plane will fly 10 hours a day with from altitudes of 1,000 to 3,000 feet as a pilot watches for robberies, drug deals, car accidents, and other incidents. There's burning fuel up there. The footage will be sent in real time to the local Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department station. The point of this will allow us to look for emerging situations, said Mayor R. Rex Paris, who said his goal is to reduce crime. If there is a robbery going on, you can click on the car and follow it. But concern that some of Lancaster's 150,000 residents will be unwittingly filmed and concerned about how the footage is handled, the American Civil Liberties Union has contacted city officials seeking information about the program, according to Paris. There are, they are acting like a bunch of aggressive, uh, they are acting like an aggressive bunch of lawyers, Paris said of the ACLU. Mm. Representatives for the ACLU didn't reply to the request that followed. Paris argued that by reviewing the footage, officials will be able to ascertain whether the Cessna is filming robberies. But critics fear it might be also to invade citizens' privacy. It's a legal search and seizure. Yeah, capturing more innocuous activities like nude sunbathing in the backyard. Yeah. Every technology is capable of abuse. The trick is to make sure it's used correctly, said Paris. You have told you have to hold people accountable in how they use it. But he's yelling at the ACLU for trying to yeah. investigate it. During Paris's term, Lancaster has seen a dramatic drop in crime since 2007 when he had one of the county's highest crime rates. This year, the city saw a 16% drop in crime compared to the same period last year. So he feels like he's got to do something else. Yep. Even more drastic after already had had that. Yep. The mock executions and cutting people's heads off seem to work well, but we're willing to step it up a notch, says Paris. That's Did a, you add a, that complete part? Complete fabrication. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The plane will cost about $1.3 million to launch, while operating costs will run about 90000 a month. A Cessna is far cheaper to operate and maintain than a helicopter, he said. Mm. And there you have it. Wow. Uh, what would our founding fathers think if they saw this? They would think, why are you doing this to yourself? I mean, we fought all this stuff so you wouldn't have soldiers in your backyard. You know, because they talked about quartering soldiers, you know, British soldiers would come mm-hmm. in. Well, now they're just parking virtually in your backyard. Mm-hmm. You know. Here they hang out. Don't and if they us. had known airplanes, they would have put an airplane exclusion in the Constitution, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll close with one since we've got just a couple of minutes for we do the uh, uh, emails, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. This is a quick one. 
this this one um, uh, maybe it's has a little hope in it. Um, Rick Warren addresses rumors he supports Chrislam. This is from Charisma magazine. Mm-hmm. Rick Warren is calling his affiliation with Chrislam a bridge building attempt to allow two religions to coexist. Nonsense and a lie that won't die. Uh, Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, directly responded to one of his Twitter followers on the microblogging site on Saturday. The question was, old guy on TV claims you support Chrislam. True? Somebody tweeted him, okay? Mm-hmm. That old guy was likely Jack Van Impey, a popular in times television host who walked away from TBN in the wake of a dispute over naming well-known ministers he claims are mixing Muslim and Christian beliefs. Warren had previously commented about the rumors in response to a blog post where people were attacking him for his reported support of Chrislam. In the comment, he pointed to Proverbs 14.15, which states, quote, Only a fool believes all he hears, unquote. Here's the rest of his response. Okay, this is from Mark Warren. The so-called Chrislam rumor is 100% false. If the guy who started this libelous myth or anyone else who passed it on had obeyed our Lord's command, Matthew 18, 18-20, to come directly to me, and then asked what I actually believed, they would have been embarrassed to learn that I believe the exact opposite. As a fourth-generation Christian pastor, my life and ministry is built on the truth that Jesus is the only way, and our inerrant Bible is our only true authority. As an evangelist, I spend much of my time speaking to non-Christian groups. You cannot win your enemies to Christ, only your friends. So we must build bridges of friendship and love to those who believe differently so Jesus can walk across that bridge into their hearts. Besides, it is not a sin, but rather commanded by Jesus that we love our enemies. In the past 10 years, Saddleback Church has baptized over 22,000 new adult believers simply because we express love to those who don't know Christ yet. It is nonsense to believe that you must compromise your beliefs or water down your convictions in order to love someone or even treat them with dignity. Jesus was called the friend of sinners by the legalistic Pharisees because he hung out with and clearly loved unbelievers. I hope you will, one, always believe that everyone needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Two, have the courage to associate with nonbelievers in order to love them and bring them to the Savior. Three, consider being called a friend of sinners, a Christ-like compliment. Four, refuse to pass on rumors until you've checked out for the truth that the person accused. The false statements above should be removed. And then they end with, well, this put the end of the controversy. Should it? Or is it, as Warren says, a lie that won't die? Hmm. So Interesting. You know, I've had issues with Rick Warren on stuff and still do. And we've talked about some of the New Age healthcare stuff and and. People who have been in their churches say that they bully him a little bit to become purpose-driven. But on this case, I can't say I argue with any of his arguments. No. He if he's leveling with them, if he's saying this is really right. that's what he stand. believes, good on him. Yeah, yeah, that's where he stands. So I thought it's good to hear stuff like that occasionally on Future Quake. Yeah. Instead of bad news quake. Okay. Death quake. <laughs> you ready for some emails? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then I'm going to lay on some emails to you, okay? Lay Just a few. your head on my shoulder. This comes from uh, Mike. Da, 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 okay. da, da. One of our friends, Dear Mike. Dear Dr. Future, I'd like to completely finance uh, Tom Bionic's foray into into uh, graduate-level text 
work and postdoctorate work for the next ten years. Hmm. Best. I had. Did you read this ahead of time? <laughs> I'm sorry for the abuse, Futurian Mike, of yeah. of Brother Tom here. Um, maybe you're putting the. Are you in the military psyops? Are you trying to put this power? Yeah, I'm not doing a very good people? job. <laughs> So you must have been like the real sweat hog of it, so they assigned you to Future Quake. Yeah. It's like, we'll give Time Magazine, CBS News, you get Future Quake. <laughs> no, I promise I'll be better. Nah, that's what you get. Okay, here's what Futurian Mike says. He says, hi, guys. Mike here. He says, avid listener to the show via podcast here in sunny San Diego. Oh, man. I've been yeah. there. Take it. Me too. Uh, I always look forward to upcoming shows. I learn a lot. I'm encouraged by your commitment to truth and to helping enlighten people on what's really going on in the world. Thank you. He says, I wonder if you've ever been in contact with other Futurians in my area. If so, please let me know and feel free to forward my email to those you know around here. In gratitude, Mike. Uh, and he asked for you to friend him. So, um, San Diego Futurians, uh, if you email me, I will send you his email. And... Uh, just ask about Brother Mike. He'll mm-hmm. you know, forward it on to you. Okay. Yeah. We've got to get we've got to get uh, we've got to get some people connected there in San Diego to start doing the Future Quake show. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. We've got we've got the the spinoff show in South Africa. You know we've got. Uh, so if your town begins with an S, you start your own Future Quake show. Well, no, I was just we've got that going on, and then you know Revelations Radio News is kind of doing the similar things that we're doing, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, there's going to be a show that's just over the horizon now that's uh, um, doing doing sort of future quake-oriented stuff, but from a slightly different perspective. You're talking about uh, uh, Joel and... Uh, yeah, Farmer Quake or whatever they're calling yeah. it. Yeah, I called it Get Out of Babylon. So <laughs> I called it Farmer Quake. and See, I'm hoping they'll write me a big check since I was the one that told them they needed to do it. So Yeah, I'm but I put the whole thing together, so yeah, yeah, uh-huh. like, you may be... You, you may put be, it together. Yeah. You just said, yeah, do whatever Dr. Future says. Is that it? Yeah. So what? Yeah, I, that the, means we split it 50-50. Not that we're in this for the money or anything. <laughs> it, with all the big money floating around in Revelations Radio Network, you know, it's tempting to get your hands on it. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a, a, it's a big known thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from Futurian Paul in Wales in the U.K. Wonderful place. He says, hi, Dr. Future. I've listened to a few of your shows and I've never heard anything quite like it. But I enjoy them. Good. That's good. Like a, I like it in a good way. I was way. worried. He says, I'm a former UFO paranormal buff who came to faith a few years ago. And I'm having to rethink everything Sweetness. I thought I knew. I know it's great. Yeah. Uh, where do you stand with regards to Genesis 1, 1 and 2? I'm assuming that means a gap theory. Mm-hmm. He says, I no longer believe in the evolutionary theory of origins. And I now take a literal view of Genesis. But I'm quite interested in gap theories. I find it strange that so many of our non-marine fossils seem to be of reptilian creatures and wonder whether it might have something to do with God's judgment of that great dragon of old and his followers. Or I could just be barking up the wrong tree. And he says, anywhere, keep up the good work and God bless. And I mentioned to him, since he asked me directly for other listeners, wonder, I said, I find the gap theory of Genesis 1, 1 and 2 very interesting as well. And one of my favorite books is Earth's Earliest Ages, written by Reverend George Pember in the mid-1800s which discusses this topic and rationale. And plus, he has mm-hmm. tons of stuff on end times, spiritual warfare, about 100 years ahead of his time there. Mm-hmm. He, I said, I am open-minded to its possibility to explain anomalous evidence we find, both on Earth and in the Bible. Even people like Dr. Mark DeHaan of Back to the Bible, or is that Radio Bible Class? 
I forget. I think mm-hmm. it's Burrito no. Bible Class. And other prominent people also agree. Um, one of the major uh, Bible publishers, too, that I did. Says, I've been maybe Schofield or somebody. Uh, I have been keeping an eye out uh, for a good guest to talk on the subject. Maybe one is written as a book. Um, and he says, uh, in response to that, he says, Thanks for your email. I'm very interested in the weird stuff, as you put it. If we are in the end times of the last days, and I believe indeed we are, then serious weirdness will be the order of the day, if the Olivet Discourse and the Book of Revelation are anything to go by. The way in which secular conspiracy theories have taken off is surely part of this. People seem to have been conditioned towards accepting weirdness. Now they are ready to believe almost anything. Anything that is but the literal truth of Scripture, which I call the ABC syndrome, anything but Christianity. A few years ago, satellite television took off over here, and the thing that struck me, even before I knew the Lord, was the amazingly high weirdness occult content. New Age, UFOs, mediumship, ghost hunting, the whole vampire scene, you name it. All mixed in with the sort of worldly junk one now expects on television. Lots of celebrity worship, sexual morality, the strange mix of socialism and corporate consumerism that pervades British culture. He understands. Paul's got it down here. As in America, this stuff sort of exploded in the latter half of the 60s, coinciding with Jerusalem's return to Jewish hands, and it's been fermenting for almost half a century now, gradually dissolving away the remaining vestiges of Britain's Christian legacy. Thanks for the pointing to Reverend Pember's book. I'll go and look online for it. Mm-hmm. He said, I remember Chuck Messler mentioning Pember in one of his teachings. It, it sounds as though you think, as I do, about gap theories. I'm open to the possibility since, as I understand, the text allows for it, even if it raises theological questions. The text does not allow for evolution. Theistic evolution is not something to which I'm open. It's what I used to believe for years before God finally removed the scales from my eyes. As for your question, I was born and still live in South Wales in the Vale of Glamorgan. I don't speak Welsh or even really sound Welsh. I've got a rather nondescript British accent. But I'm looking to get out of the UK as I don't think it's going to last much longer. Hmm. Well, come to Nashville. We got a nice church here, Paul. And yeah, just join us. We're getting we're getting quite a little crew. Yeah, we're getting more and more Futurians. Like every week, we have a new set of Futurians. Yeah, that's cool, man. Hanging out at our place, so we got room for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to move to mainland Europe in the not too distant future if I can find the right place. I'm approaching middle age and have no ties, so I guess it's now or never. And yes, by all means, feel free to share my ramblings. I'd be honored. God bless, Paul. Sweetness. He also, he also might like to check out a book called The Lost World of Genesis 1. Okay. It's not a... It's not a um, I might like to check it out, too. Yeah, it's not, it's not a gap theory, per se. In fact, yeah. I think he argues, in some places, sort of argues strenuously against it. Yeah. But the idea is, is he sort of he gets back into the text. and you know He's a Hebrew hmm. scholar. It's All written right. by a guy named nice. Bruce Walton. I debunked me. Or, I'm sorry, John Walton. John Walton, okay. Yeah. Um, just one last word. I got one more email, but just uh, a word on Wales, my impression of it. I got to go there once on business with the MOD, Ministry of Defense. Mm-hmm. Took a train out there from, from London and was doing some work with them. And uh, one thing I noticed about their language is that they they have a dearth or a, a famine on vowels. It's just like all it's just all consonants. It's like Hawaiian, yeah. There's no vowels. No, they're the opposite. They're like all consonants. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, sort of like the Greeks. You know, they, have, <laughs> yeah. they just have strings of A's, E's, and O's together in Greek. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're the opposite there. But I got to go out to a place called Pendine, 
which is interesting. It was out on the coast, the Welsh coast. Mm-hmm. And it's where they, I, I looked out there and saw the beaches, and they were like just flat as a board. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, you know, this reminds me of Daytona Beach. I said, this would be a great place to do land speed record runs. And as it turned out, that was the first place where they did land speed record runs in vehicles. Mm-hmm. was at Pendine before it moved to Daytona Beach and then Bonneville. And uh, uh, interesting history, I was in a military facility where they were doing military testing of weapon systems. And evidently, it was a, a really wealthy manor, this wealthy guy owned. And the British Army showed up one day to his house and said, uh, excuse us, sir, we're going to have to commandeer your um, estate here mm-hmm. for use for the British government for the war. Hmm. And he says, okay, well, wait just a minute. And he walked out of his office, out into the garden, and shot himself in the head. And so that, what? I guess, made it easier for them to take over. It's a pendine. So that's just something I always remembered. So, But Wales is a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're surfing there, too. thought you enjoyed that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Huh. You can surf there. Yeah. Go all the way to Cornwall. Okay. Here's um, from another part of the world. Okay. This is John in Canberra, which you know is like the Washington, D.C. of Australia. Mm-hmm. It's totally a, a city built, as I know, just for government, federal government of Australia. Between, I think it's between Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, uh, he says, uh, yeah, Brother John says, Also, thanks for your continuing show. It has changed my worldview immensely and opened my mind and heart to the compassion of Christ for others no matter who they are or what they do. That's saying something, as I was fairly right-wing-leaning man from a military background who finished off his career in the police force for 20 years. That is right. You've come a long way, baby. Wow. So have I, from my, from my working in military labs and stuff. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, many blessings. John, now a Futurian, Canberra, Australia. And uh, he actually uh, uh, was helping us out with some getting some stuff of ours. Helping out. So, Brother John, you just hang in there, brother. Glad to have you as a brother. You know, we had somebody we just read from the other coast. Here he's on the, I guess he would be on the east coast, and the west coast of Perth. We had a listener, I think last week we read about. So, mm-hmm. nice we got all that covered. We need more Aboriginal listeners, though. We don't yep. have as many of those. Yep. Speaking of Aborigines, uh, Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us on Future Quick? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Pretty good transition there, huh? I was going to say, he is looking a little albino these days. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you do? Yeah. Um, Any last words from you, brother? Um, Pray for my sister, who uh, I just got some texts while we were text messages while we were doing the show she's got a spot on her eye like a blind spot in her eye oh like and a cataract kind of thing or? yeah and she's like 26 so okay all right six do you want me to pray right now uh yeah well and the other one is my grandmother's house got broken into okay she's she was gone she's down in 
visiting my parents, but the house got broken into and okay. stuff got stolen. So okay, pray for pray for those two things. Let me do that real quick. Please do. Heavenly Father, we just pray for Tom's sister. We pray for her eye that you would heal it, Lord. Uh, if you choose to use doctors for that, Lord, I just pray you show them what to do and mm-hmm. take away the pain from her and also the fear. And Lord, uh, we pray that something good would come out of this and maybe would draw her closer to you. Mm-hmm. And the same same way with Tom's grandmother, Lord, who's had a, a traumatic event with somebody breaking in, Lord, it it feels like a real violation when somebody comes in your personal place and I'm glad that she's safe, uh, but Lord, I pray that you'd make things right, Lord. If anything that's missing, um, that that stuff would be reclaimed, mm-hmm. and that uh, she could feel a peace, Lord, about uh, living there, and things could be made secure again. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we just pray for all of our other listeners who have similar things to deal with as well. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. Anything else you got? Just, uh, just doing it. You okay. Know? Still big changes for you coming up. It's always a party over at Taylorland. <laughs> One last reminder for our listeners. Um, go go to uh, thefrontoffuturequake.com. we got the, the books and stuff on the left-hand side if you want to get. But go to for sure to the bottom of the right-hand side of thefrontoffuturequake.com. Look at the two different shirt uh, ideas we have as well as the poster. And email us back, drfuturefuturequake.com. Uh, if you'd like any of the shirts, how many, what size, what kind of price maximum you could tolerate, uh, and on the poster too, we need that data so we can figure out, you know, what to order on something, and uh, we'll have something we'll all remember. There you and hopefully you'll remember what we talked about in this show until next week. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Auf Wiedersehen. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.